Can you hear me when I'm rocking in my chair? You can hear you. Yes, chair. absolutely. We, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not even sure that we want to. Do not this. move that chair. This is, this is, All right, stand by. Yes, I'm going to switch chairs. <laughs> Welcome to Logbook Memories, an aviation podcast about remembering and sharing our past flights. I'm David Allen, a student pilot. And I'm Michael Ladd, a private pilot. Guests on Logbook Memories look back through their pilot logbook to find a particularly interesting, adventurous, enjoyable, scary, or otherwise memorable flight. Then they come on here and share the story of that flight in their own words. Our next guest is ready to go, so let's mic them up. All right, so today we're welcoming uh, our friend uh, John Conway. You can find him at uh, Pilot Conway on Twitter and all the socials. But uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, a flight he made to uh, First Flight Airport. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How you doing? Yeah, we're good, man. Great. We're good. We're good. Um, you, uh, you, you've done... Uh, one of those flights that is, I'm, I'm sure, kind of on the bucket list of a lot of pilots. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like that, you know. Oshkosh is is on there, uh, flying into Oshkosh, flying into Sun and Fun, those kinds of things. But then, you know, flying into First Flight Airport is uh, kind of a big one. Tell us uh, what what, uh, what was behind that. Like, why did you decide to do that? Um, oddly enough. The the initial reason was I had to burn a bunch of flight time to get life insurance. <laughs> that's a, that's a excuse, I guess. I'm not kidding. They came back to me and they were like, "You need a, you need a hundred. I forgot what it was like a hundred hours or something, and you need so many hours in the last twenty five or, or last twelve months to get this like discounted like super rate because you know we're pilots. Like it just it jacks up your life insurance to be a pilot. Um, and uh, so I was like, okay, well. I guess I have to fly. <laughs> I was like, you know, twist my arm. I'll go on. I'll do some flights. So I, I was like, you know what? Let's let's do some long flights. I've been putting off. You know, first flight was one of those ones. It was about a three hour flight each way, and I had basically at this point only gone about an hour. I, I think you know at any given time was pretty much the furthest. Um, maybe a little further for like the the long cross country in my training or whatnot. So so real quick, where where are you based out of? Uh, so I'm based out of. Um, well, I was flying out of Martin State Airport, which is uh, just north east of baltimore maryland okay um so to fly out of there and kind of fly straight down it's about three hours for me um but most of my flights had basically just been in maryland or like southern pennsylvania and that kind of thing so um uh, it was a good excuse to kind of do it and then it ended up um the flight fell on my birthday um a couple years ago and so i grabbed a friend and i was like let's go do this flight i've been wanting to do it forever so so Uh, you you had you said this a second ago, but I want to I want to reiterate it. You you'd done long cross countries. What was like the longest single leg flight you'd done before? Um, my I'm thinking it was probably my flight to Cape May. Right, and how long was that? Which was, I mean, it was whatever the the it was the minimum distance, just over the minimum distance for the long cross country for your private. And I want to say, hang on, you know, what? Let me look yeah, 150 look nautical miles with a leg of what? 50. Uh, yeah, something like that. And the way you kind of route it to, um, we ended up with some time cause there's a, um, the Delaware, the Delaware Bay, like, um, the Delaware Bay comes out. So it's kind of a tricky, you want to cross it like a slightly smaller point. Cause I did that and I did Manassas, but I think Cape May is actually further. Yeah. 1.5. 
1.3. 1.3 hours. Wow. And so you go from doing a 1.3 hour flight to now you're going to do three hours more than double one way. in one way. Yes. Uh, what what are you thinking when you're like, hey, let's go do this? I mean, what what goes through? Because you know, I'm not there. I'm I'm just in my primary training. You know, what goes through your mind when you decide to do this? Is it just you revert back to your training, or is there a little bit of a what's that feel like? You know, is there some anxiety there? I was definitely anxious. I was very anxious for it. Um, it was. I mean, you fall back on your training, and you trust that your training was. You know, you got good training, and you're you know what you're doing. And as long as you, you pre-plan correctly, you know, you approach it and, you know, you, you'll do a good job. Um, it doesn't make it any easier when you actually go to do it, <laughs> you know, the first time, of course. Um, you know, to not have that anxiety. Cause you take off and you're like, I'm about to go do this thing. Now I did, I did do the flight in a G 1000. I will say that. Uh, nice. So that alleviated. What was the airplane? A G 1000 equipped? What? It was a 172 SP. Okay. G 1000. It was um, the the G one thousand did alleviate some of the the variables. Mainly, I had better traffic awareness than I would usually have because of the um, uh, this one had the synthetic vision and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I did fly falling the whole way anyway. But um, I had better traffic awareness. I had the autopilot, um, and I had the embedded map. So I had you know I had an iPad and an iPhone. You know I had all the maps I needed and all that kind of stuff. Um, How long did it take you to pre flight all this stuff? I probably the flight plan. I spent a couple of weeks. I'm sure, I'm sure. going going back over it because it's one of those things. You're like, okay, so what's the best route to go? And then how many like, different ways can you draw a line on a map? Yeah. Um, and then there was the big unknown for me of Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, no, actually, it's funny. She didn't go with me, so that that wasn't a, that wasn't a problem. Um, she was fine with it because I, you know, I had to I had to do the flight. So she was like, okay, you know, whatever you do, you, you have fun. Go have fun. Just leave me here. Really? Uh, so she was just, it was this, that, it was that, that simple for her. Just leave me here, have fun, bye. Yeah. You know, when I go to do my flying, she doesn't really think too much of it. As long as she's not going up. She's <laughs> okay. not worried about it as long as she's yeah. not going with you. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. That um, could be another whole episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about that flight too. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and on the next episode uh, on the next one, yeah but uh no it was um uh, the big question for me was was what to do um at the mouth of the chesapeake bay because you know i had the the flight planned out primarily i was going to go to the eastern shore because it's like a, a five minute hop over the bay where I, i'm based out of north of baltimore and then you go down basically the entire eastern shore of maryland into virginia but then you have to cross the mouth of the chesapeake bay which is where the Chesapeake Bay bridge tunnel is, and that's like 17 miles of road just across the mouth of the bay. Um, so it's a very large, you know, body of water gap there more than I had done previously. Um, cause even the Delaware Bay, like during my training, you know, they had me plan a little further North over the Delaware Bay. So I was crossing over less water and essentially trying to keep yourself, you know, in glide distance and whatnot. And, you know, keep it so you weren't over the water for too long. And so that was kind of the big question for me because I'd never done something that big before. And now looking back on it, it's, I feel a lot more comfortable on, it wasn't really that far. Um, did you do any special preparations for that? Like, did you, did you bring life rafts or anything? I don't, I, I'm not even sure what the requirements are, but did, we didn't, know? we never really left glide distance. I went, I was able to go high enough to, to keep, you know, essentially my, my plan was go high. Right. 
um, which I think was like, you know, six or 7,000 feet. It wasn't too bad, but it was um, high enough. And then I took the, the shortest route over, but it was, um, that's essentially all I did. Cause what I, what I ended up doing is I ended up talking to some other pilots beforehand um, and kind of going online and kind of checking some stuff out and just saying, you know, how do you feel about this? <laughs> like, am I overthinking it or am I, or should this be something that I should be worried about? And pretty much it was like, it's probably not going to be that big a deal. Right. Um, and then worst case scenario, I always had the road because <laughs> there was the, the Bay bridge tunnel. And, um, for the most part that I 95, uh, no, that no, you're probably further east than that, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, this one's down like 13 or something. Okay. And then goes across and then it goes into, um, uh, basically Virginia beach area down there. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. 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 I know yeah, you're still up north. Okay. Yeah. It's not the greatest spot to land. Cause I mean, obviously there's a lot of like light poles and stuff like that, but it is an open road, you know, and, and for the most part, the bay isn't too deep either. So that was essentially the biggest so thing for me. Maybe we'll find you. The Everglades yeah. aren't that deep either. And the alligators love alligators. to operate right there on the surface. I mean, it's, it's easy. <laughs> the moccasins <Yeah>. and, <laughs> So, so you get down there. So you're through what Virginia beach. So yeah, when you cross over, you end up in Virginia beach and from there, it's just a straight shot down the coast. And you just follow the, uh, what the barrier islands, I guess, all the way down. Well, pretty much. Yeah. You're just following the, following that. There is a little spot down there that is, Oh God, what is it? Oceana? I want to say, yeah. Oceana Naval air station. So you do talk to them for a little bit and there's like a Delta and some other stuff. And then there's the, the class C of, um, Norfolk. But for the most part, there's there's not too much to really worry about. Um, there's a little bit of restricted airspace over over the um, eastern shore of Maryland. That's all related to um, uh, Patuxent, okay, um, Pax River. Um, so there's a little like kind of you can't quite go straight down. You kind of have to go a little bit to the east and then kind of curve down towards Salisbury. So there was there was a few considerations I had to have planning it that I was thinking about. Um, but for the most part, it was just knowing my airspace, thinking about all the outs I had along the way, kind of navigating across the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay. And then the other big one was um, fuel was one of the things that was a f- the furthest I'd done. So I, I didn't think I was going to run out of fuel, but I had to plan to get fuel down there because oh, I yeah, knew I wasn't going to have enough to get there and back. Yeah, because there's no services there. Yeah. So it was looking up. I had never gotten fuel from somewhere before. So how do I... How does that oh. work renting? <laughs> yeah, that is a <laughs> you big, know? That, that's a big consideration. Yeah, if you've I'm, never done that before, yeah. Yeah, and I'm landing at an airport that I'd never been to, so how do they do fuel at that airport? So there's a lot of like figuring that out and looking up the um, you know, all the airport airport information stuff and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then um, I had to brush up on the class Charlie for Norfolk as well because that was I've actually never done a Charlie. I've done a Bravo and I've done a Delta. <laughs> But it was like, what's the rules for a Charlie? Because I hadn't hadn't done that. And I'm used to the Delta. You know, all you have to do is just establish the communication. And the same thing goes for a Charlie, actually. Yes. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but you have the added added um, different frequencies to think about. Oh, sure. Because you're not just talking to the tower at that point. You do have approach and departure. But um, the, the nice thing I will say is that doing being able to get on flight following the whole way down, I didn't have to worry about that because that they just it, kept handing me off. That makes a cake. Yeah, that's another thing that that I really, you know, I've always known flight following is, is, is important and it's nice to have and it's a good resource, but the, it takes so much of that cognitive load off of you mm-hmm. because you, you're, you're just talking to somebody and I don't know, there's like, once you get in the rhythm of that chatter, it makes the flight easier. 
No, yeah. I mean, unless I'm unless I'm flying locally, like from where I'm at in Chattanooga to like you know the main airport or something. If I'm going further than like 20 miles, I pretty much always use flight following, yeah. just for that reason. Yeah, it's just it's such a good resource, and it's kind of cool just being handed off to all these different people. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's you know I think that there's a real value to being in the system like that, and just you know it it's another set of eyes on you. It's another set of eyes outside your cockpit that are paying it. Like I'm I'm visually flying, obviously, but they're gonna let me know if there's other traffic in the area. And you know once you're in the system like that, like if they tell you to go somewhere, you know you have permission to be there, and that's a that's a really cool that's a really cool thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. <clears throat> I do have, there was an issue where, or time once, twice actually, where they were too busy to talk to me. So they canceled my flight following and had me squawk VFR. And I was like, okay. And I was flying, I think from Chattanooga to Panama City Beach. And I'm like, what do I do for the next two hours? <laughs> it was, it was very funny, but it oh, was, my friends are gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have anybody to talk to. Well, well here's what you do. You, you fly into the, you, you take your ball and go down the street and call yeah. the next, t- call the, the next, next approach guy. and see if Which they want to play. Which is what she did tell me, though. I still remember the call that she gave me, and she did tell me to go, you know, this will be the next, you can try this frequency, you know, in 10 or 15 minutes or something and see if they'll be able to get you back in the system. But she wasn't able to because they were just too busy. This is Atlanta Center. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, they yeah, tend I, to be busy there. <laughs> There's an um, interesting one that, uh, an interesting kind of variation of what you just mentioned, uh, Mike, that I heard on a on a on a YouTube sh- uh, a YouTube episode just the other day. Um, guys flying, and they're actually IFR. I uh, I think they were IFR. Um, may that, that may not be true. That they were they were either on IFR, they were flight following, but they said uh, con- you know, they they actually did a handoff to the next the next uh, handler, the next you know center or approach controller. I'm not sure which one it was, but they said if they don't respond, try again every ten miles. And it was it was kind of like this known little area where at the altitude that this particular airplane was flying at, they may not even hear you. Huh. And so I'm thinking hmm. to myself, that's a, that's another one of those, oh, I, where have all my friends gone? I've lost all my friends. Like, yeah. you know, uh, is somebody paying attention? And what happens if you have that kind of a, a need for immediate services before you can actually reach somebody? It's just kind of like, I was like, ooh, that, that would feel a little icky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about this flight is when you get south of Oceania, they actually lose radar coverage down there. They don't have full radar coverage at the coast. Huh. So I, I want to say it was probably about a half hour out from first flight. We got terminated because they were like, yep, we're, we're <laughs> you're, you're off our scope. So no kidding. Squawk VFR. Good day. Yeah. Wow. So that's just south of Norfolk then. Uh, yeah, it's basically once you cross, I think it was uh, um, right when we crossed over into North Carolina kind of down that way is when we ended up losing. So what was it like um, once you lost, uh, you know, r- flight following, you're you're on your own. Tell us tell us the rest of the story as you get into, into um, Kill Devil Hills, that area. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it was kind of a good timing because that's what I'm starting to set up, you know, coming into first flight at that point. So I'm basically just doing my normal, um, trying to get in um, the frequencies for the airport, starting to do weather, starting to kind of get us situated with what's around, kind of, kind of figure all that out and, and get situated, situated to come in and, and, and do the landing. So, um, uh, it's luckily at that point, then the navigation becomes fairly easy because it's, 
it's just tiny little strip of land <laughs> that you're following. So you can't really get lost. It's you got a giant ocean on the left and you've got a bay on the right. So you, there's, you know, there's not much you're worried, worried about at that point. So, so that makes it a little nice. Um, and then it was, it was a pretty good day. Actually, it was, um, it was the end of January. So it was, uh, uh, the, it was, it was definitely nice down in North Carolina and it wasn't too windy either. So there was, um, there was a couple planes in the pattern at, at, at first flight. And I think it took a minute. I may have had to do a couple turns to wait my turn to get in. Cause it's just a, um, regular, uh, non-towered field. Um, so everybody's just kind of chattering on the radio and you're just kind of trying to figure out where everybody are, get that mental picture of where everyone is and then just kind of slot yourself in. So, right. Um, you know, I think we had to wait a little bit to get in, but it wasn't too bad. And then, um, really it's just, you know, it's not a terribly huge airport. It's not too small, but I was aware from reading people talking, um, about flying in there that because it's, it's completely lined with trees on the side and you've got a lot of wind coming from the ocean. Um, it gets a little squirrely when you get to the tree line. Okay. You definitely get that like the wind goes haywire as soon as you dip below. Um, so I was I was expecting that when we got in, and and it, it wasn't. I think the landing wasn't too bad. We made it. We stopped. <laughs> we walked away from it, so it couldn't have been that bad. And there's no there's no fuel there at that airport. It doesn't look like there's any services there at all. Uh, no, it's um it's kind of weird. You, you kind of pull in and you pull off to the side, and it's just a little parking lot essentially. <laughs> you know, a bunch of planes. It was a lot of activity there, and you're right next to the hill where the big monument is. Um, so you can just look right to there, and there's like a um, there is a little building I think had restrooms. There may have been a gift shop, but I think it was closed that day. Like, I, I think there was, machines. I think, yeah, there's some vending machines. I, I think there is like a, I don't think it's actually an FBO, but it's like, you know, there is a little pilot thing there, but I, I don't think it was open. I think there's like a lounge and some other stuff. Yeah. You just kind of park your plane and then, um, essentially you get to walk around at that point. And so it was one of those things where, uh, this is the first experience I had too, where, you know, it's January in Maryland. So it's probably like 30 or 40 degrees when we get in the plane and then we get out of the plane in North Carolina and it's like 55. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh wow, it's actually a nice day out. Um, uh, 55 is not a nice day. It's t- oh no, still it cold. is. <laughs> I would kill for 55 right now. Uh, yeah, we've been at, 50s last couple of days up here anyways yeah compared compared to the the 30s it was at home it was nice i was like oh well actually this is the first time i'd actually flown myself far enough to have a change in temperature oh that's cool that, now that's an interesting thing you know because the only time i've ever had that is like flying to florida or something and you get on a, you know get on an airliner and fly down there and they're like okay yeah it's totally different down here but i i flew myself to another weather <laughs> right um which was cool that was um that was neat. And so basically, uh, you know, we get down there, me and my buddy, we get out and we just start kind of walking around. We see the monument. I haven't been there actually since I was a kid. So it was really cool to kind of see everything again. And then we go see, walking. I've, I've never been there at all. I'd love to go there. Yeah. It's like, there's like a, a sand dune that has this big giant monument on it. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff around it. And then you kind of walk down the hill from there and that's where they have the actual rails where they did the flights. And then they have these stones that mark each of the flights and you can see how like the first one's really short and then they get longer and longer and longer. The coolest thing I think is when you're, when you're walking down along where those first flights happen and you're at those markers, you look over and it's where the tree line kind of ends where the airport is and the, the airport parallels where they did the flights. Oh, that's okay. so it's like a couple hundred feet to the, um, I think it's like to the West. 
of where the flights happened. Wow. And they're kind of oriented the same. So, so it's, once you've walked it, when you take off, you realize you're basically flying the same path that these two did. Exactly. Because you're just looking over at the, at the runway. Yeah, that that's cool. And it's that's a cool feeling to be there and just be like, I'm, I just flew in here. <laughs> yeah. Where they made these flights. Yeah. Um, over 100 years ago. 115, actually. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess it is 115 this year, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. The, uh, you know, there's a lot of pilots after after uh the movie one six right came out they'd like want to go to van nuys and land on one yeah. six right you know that's that's one thing i'd love to do one day it's probably a little harder to do than get to kitty hawk here but how does that like is this kind of one of those oh man this is like you know I, I can only imagine when i'm on final approach at an airport like you're focused on landing the plane were you just absolutely again laser focused on the game or were you was there any moment when you're like this is about to happen <laughs> like you kind of stepped away from yourself for a second and then oh wait i gotta get back on game and fly the plane again <laughs> yeah no see those moments happen on the ground <laughs> okay that was when yeah. i was standing there at the <clears throat> at those markers and stuff like that that i had those moments it was it was definitely like when we were coming in yeah there was nothing <laughs> that was getting in my head at that point i was i was on it that's good. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you, you just, you don't have time to. Um, and maybe if I flew a lot more and I was more comfortable, I don't know. You know, maybe that shouldn't go away, you know, that laser focus. But um, it was definitely, I was kind of zoned in at that point. So you got in there about what time of the day? I, don't know. I think it was probably like midday. Um, we ended up running low on time toward the end of the flight. I remember that. To, um, the, low on time to get home, you mean? Yeah, because winter we you know we had to worry about um, daylight hours because I wasn't night current at that point, so I knew I had to get back in before an hour after sunset. Okay. So yeah, so we left around eleven, so we probably got down there a little in the afternoon, one you know two o'clock probably. It took a little longer to get down. Um, the winds were not in our favor going down, so I think it took like uh, two point nine three hours to get down there. Yeah, two point nine, and so we probably yeah eleven or four. So. Average ground speed of 81 knots. So not bad in a 172 with a headwind. That's <laughs> yeah, not yeah. bad at all. So I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at the VFR sectional here. I'm trying to understand something here. Just to yeah. the west of where the right monument is on the VFR sectional for first flight, I'm seeing a caution. Request status of those restricted area R-5301 uh, from Giant Killer on 118.125. And I'm like, what is Giant Killer? Now I'm trying to look this up. This is kind of interesting. Giant killer. Huh. Well, it is to the west, but still, it's just, it's in the caution box. Right? <laughs> I'm looking at it too. I see it. You see it? <laughs> From- and then for the other one for, you know, you know, restricted area 5302 ABC from Cherry Point, which that I get. But giant killer, I was like, huh? Yeah, I'm not seeing anything else for it, but it's, it was kind of interesting just yeah. looking at that. So you get your you know, your time on the ground there and then you say, all right, it's time to head on out, but you've got to get fuel. Tell us about the trip home. Yeah. So, um, we need to get fuel, which, which first flight doesn't have. So, um, the plan was to make a very, very short hop over to, um, Dare County regional, which is kind of like this little Island that's in between, um, the barrier islands of, um, the outer banks. And then the mainland it's essentially a take off immediately switch frequencies and start talking to get into dare county <laughs> yeah i see so that was a uh that was a tricky little hop 
and I want to pull up the log real quick because I want to see what I actually did because it was a oh, it looks like 0.7 is what the actual time was from when I started the engine till I was actually in there. Essentially, what we did is we kind of popped up and went over but stayed north of the airport, and then we did a, a came across the runway and then kind of did a, a did a circle in to go in on downwind. So we did one of those. I mean, like a midfield crossing. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much into the into um, downwind. Okay. Yeah, there was a King Air that was in the area. It was the only traffic I remember having, um, which ended up being this giant pink plane. <laughs> uh, okay. There was a, uh, I think it was literally a breast cancer awareness version of the like up. Oh, I think I've heard of that plane before. Yeah, they did. A, um, they're a charter operator for King Airs. Okay, yeah. And they had one that was in this like pink livery. Um, and that's the one that landed there. So. I, I remember looking up the tail number because I was like, I need to know the story behind this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I do that yeah, all that the time, was, by the way. That's I love doing that, looking yeah. up airplanes that I see. Yeah, because you see some cool stuff at some of these random airports. Oh, huh? yeah, definitely. And, like, Dare County is a bigger one. It's got uh, it's got multiple runways. Uh, I believe it's two. Yeah, two, three, um, oh, five, two, three, and then 1735. And so, I mean, essentially it was... I know we did a lot on the ground at, at first flight, just getting everything dialed in because I didn't, I did not have a lot of time in the air, and I knew that, so I was making sure everything was good. Because as soon as I got up, it was like game on. I got to start switching and, and getting in. So I remember that. Other than a little bit of traffic, wasn't too bad. Um, I think the wind was starting to pick up a little bit. Nothing crazy, but uh, um, it was definitely picking up a little bit. Um, but we came in, made it pretty uneventful, and then it was where do I park? <laughs> uh, the right. age-old question that I. I still think should be made easier for pilots to figure out where you park. <laughs> I don't know why. It just seems to be something that for me, when I go to a new airport, it's just never documented well. <laughs> and it's always like, I guess I'll park here. And then I'll walk in and be like, is that good? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah and some... I can see that. Like, I, I can see that definitely being a question. I, I've had that question airport, myself. Is it? What was that? Mike? That's not a towered airport, is it? No. Because if yeah. it's tower, you know, I'd be like, you know. Where am I going? Where's your FBO? Yeah, and like when I went somewhere, like um, when I flew up to uh, uh, Wilkes Bar um, in Scranton, right? Like they gave me instructions, and then they had like the flag guy wave me in, right? So that was great. It was like, hey, you're parking here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, perfect. It's, yeah, a lot of places will do that too. I've noticed. There's, you know, like I know when I, we went to St. Augustine, the line guy comes out, and he, yeah, I mean, if you kind of point your plane in that direction, they come out. Yeah, and some of the smaller airports is not too bad because, you know, there's only one spot. There's only one ramp, and you're okay. Yeah. But when there's multiple ramps or there's multiple places, it's like, which one is the FBO? Is there, like, a, a mechanism here? And, you know, this place was – it wasn't terribly huge, but it was big enough that I was like, I'm not quite sure where to be. And then it was kind of figuring out the whole um, feel thing. I think what I ended up doing was just radioing them, um, calling up um, the Unicom frequency when I got down on the ground. I'm like, hey, I want fuel – where should I park it? And we got all that sorted out. Did you go to the uh, aquarium? No, we didn't leave the airport. There's apparently, a, I'm just looking at it right now. There's an aquarium right next to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost went there that. actually when we went, went down um, for vacation a couple of years ago. But at this point we didn't have time. We were actually looking to get, to actually get lunch somewhere. Like we were thinking about Ubering out at first flight to go get lunch and then come back. And then we ended up knowing we, we weren't probably going to have enough time. Um, we just did vending machines at Dare County, and oh, there wasn't anything on the field there you could do. Yeah, they didn't have anything on the field. They just had That's some vending true. machines, um, and like one guy working the FBO, was super quiet. Hmm. Um, 
But I was like, hey, want to do want to do fuel? And I think they had a I think they did have a fuel truck, um, and they came out and did it for me. And had to do my saver receipt because the first time I'd ever done that saver receipt to give it back because it's wet. You know, I'm yep. I'm renting wet, so I had to give the receipt back to the um, flight school to get reimbursed and whatnot. But um, in the end, it went off without a hitch. It was I was a little anxious doing this because the first time I'd ever gotten fuel anywhere else, I'd ever you know kind of done this kind of thing. So kind of a, like a literal cross country. Yeah. So um, the rest of the trip home pretty much uneventful, or anything happened there. Yeah, for the most part, it was. Um, you know, we took off. You know, we're going back. I now I knew the controllers any of the route. You know, I had done I had done one way, so I was you know pretty good there. Um, and I think we ended up. Um, the first half was pretty uneventful, and then the second half we were starting to get into um, sunset. So the visuals were like really cool at that point because it was nice. I think even when we took off, it was starting to get low. So even the pictures I have of like the Bay Bridge Tunnel when we were going over Norfolk was, uh, you know, I had some cool stuff there where like the water reflections were really cool and stuff like that. So, um, it was just, it was just pretty. I just remember a lot of it was, um, I had the G 1000 flying most of it just so I could keep my eyes out and I could just reduce the load (laughs) that I was dealing with so I could manage the plane and, um, do the radio talking and all that and just kind of relax a little bit. So I wasn't, you know, overdoing it too much. Um, so I did have that, which was nice. Um, but you know, for some of that, then I was able to kind of take in some of the visuals and just kind of enjoy flying this far. I wasn't used to having some, I say, well, I'll do air quotes here. Downtime. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you're flying. Cause there really isn't downtime, but it was, it was more relaxed. I wasn't, you know, too worried about what was going on and whatnot. And then, um, I think when we got to Salisbury, whoever I was talking to, uh, one of the um, Pax River uh, restricted areas was down, so they were like, "Hey, you can go direct if you want. We're um, we're closed." So oh, wow. I did get to nice. I did get to shortcut um, through there, and then um, made a pretty uneventful landing prior to sunset, which is what I was hoping to get in by. So cool. it uh, it turned out really well. So, what did you take away from it? What was the you know, what was the most memorable thing about it? Or was there, you know, lessons learned? Did you, did you come out of there, you know, stronger? Like what, what is it, what, what is it that you sits with you as being the thing or the things about this flight that were, you know, made it, made it really special. There's always lessons learned. There's never a flight. You don't learn something. I've, sure. I've learned that. Um, yeah, this one for me was, um, I think if anything, overall, it's a confidence builder. To be able to to do a flight like this and to know that my pre-flight planning was, I did enough of it. I didn't seem to miss anything. Um, you know, I took my time and I was prepared when I got to the plane. So there wasn't anything that kind of took me off guard. So that to me, I think was the biggest thing. It was knowing that like I can do this and, you know, I can, I can do a long flight. And then the other thing is just getting to experience such a such a cross country like that to that kind of destination it was just it was really powerful when we were just standing there and kind of walking around first flight and get kind of taking in everything knowing i had just landed there you know 20 minutes before i mean as a as a pilot that i think to me was just a really a really awesome feeling kind of while we were hanging out down there so those are the two big takeaways i think i took from from the whole experience cool that's awesome well, thanks for uh, 
taking some time here with us on Logbook Memories to to share that one with us. I really, uh, that's an awesome story, and and I, I hope to be able to recreate it one day myself. Uh, my my instructor actually just took the Cirrus up to first flight um, over the summer, I think. Um, the Cirrus that the flight school has, and so. I know he's been there, and one of these days I, I want to go in there, and hopefully when I do it, I'll have you know a, a boatload of cameras all over the airplane too. <laughs> yeah, nice. But uh, yeah, that's very cool. So thanks for taking the time to to share that with us. Uh, you have your own podcast. I do. Tell us about that. Give us a plug. Uh, what was that? Give it a plug. Oh uh, yeah, I'll plug it. Uh, yeah, I am uh, one of the co-hosts of In the Pattern podcast. Um, basically started as uh three student pilots kind of all around the same time and then it's evolved into adding uh we had an instrument pilot at one point um and now we just really talk about all of our flights kind of what we learn every time we fly and um just have some good hangar flying chat so uh that's over at uh, in the pattern podcast.com or search any of your favorite um podcast players for uh in the pattern podcast and where can people find you on the internet I am pretty much everywhere at Pilot Conway, um, Twitter and whatnot. So you can find me there. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was great. No, John, thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to Logbook Memories. If you'd like to share a memory from your logbook, drop us an email to stories at logbookmemories.com. That's stories at logbookmemories.com. And since we are just starting out, it would mean the world to us if you left a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you really want to help us out, maybe write a short review telling the world how awesome we are. Don't forget to share us with your friends. We'll catch you on the next episode of Logbook Memories.